Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Our reading today is going to be from Revelations chapter 3, starting at verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied, not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my commandment to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, New Jerusalem. When is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Thanks, Joe. Again, welcome, everybody. This uh, message I've prepared is called Jesus Commends the Church in Philadelphia. City of Philadelphia, not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, not Philadelphia, PA. This is uh, in Asia Minor, which is in modern-day western Turkey. It, was, it is still located 103 miles from the coast of the beautiful Aegean Sea. Its name combines the Greek words for love and brothers. That's why Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. The king of Pergamum founded the city of Philadelphia in 189 BC because of his brother's love for him and loyalty to him. The city was known for its numerous uh, vineyards which led the citizens to worship Dioscinesis, which I can hardly pronounce, I still can't. The noisy, youthful, beautiful, but effeminate god of wine. According to Greek mythology, that guy that I couldn't, that false god that I couldn't pronounce. Let's have another stab at it. Dionysius, that's probably even worse, supposed to be the son of Zeus, or another word for Jupiter. 
So you know that all Greek mythology is just mythology. It's not true. There's only one true God. Amen. Amen. In all the seven letters to the church that Jesus wrote to the churches in Asia Minor, Western Turkey, back in the day, there was only two that he gives a favorable report. Only two. One of them was the church in Smyrna, and the other one was this one that we're going to learn about today, Philadelphia. Jesus identifies himself here in verse 7, if you look at it, as the one who, who is holy and true. Holy and true. He's the only one who is holy and true. The only human being. God became a human being. That's what Christmas is all about. Amen? He became a human being. The only human being who's ever been born who is holy. God in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, being God, it was and is impossible for him to lie. He says, I am holy and true. Correct. Hebrews 7.26, referring to Jesus, such a high priest truly meets all our needs. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. It says here that he holds the key of David. He holds the key of David. In scripture, Jesus is often described as the son of David. That title means that he was the long-awaited deliverer that Israel has been waiting for to set up his kingdom. The fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Jesus is Israel's promised king, and he will rule the nations from his throne in Jerusalem one day. And he says, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. One day, Jesus will rule in his earthly kingdom, the millennial kingdom. He holds the key, not only to secure all born-again believers in his kingdom, but also to lock out all those who have never been saved from their sins. I'm glad, you know, it's year about people that are shut-ins, Yes. People that are shut-ins. I'm glad that I'm going to be a shut-in in the kingdom of God. Amen? Jesus described himself, verse 8. He describes the church as having only a little power or a little strength. Just a small community of believers. They may not have had a lot of money uh, and resources, but they use those resources for the furtherment of the gospel to good effect for the, using many outreach opportunities that they had to reach out to that pagan culture in which they lived. And he says he had kept Jesus' word. They had kept Jesus' word and not denied him. They not denied him. You know, according to 1 John 2.22, people who deny that Jesus Christ is the Christ, is Lord of all, he says, are liars. 
are liars and antichrist, opposed to Christ. It's not the antichrist, but antichrist, opposed to Christ. All those that deny that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Christ, are antichrist, are liars. St. Paul wrote to Titus 1.16, he says, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Now, those people that Paul is writing about, the people that deny Christ, are those that profess Christianity. They claim to be Christians, but they fail to live up to it. They're not really saved at all. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, this is verse 9, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. He loves the faithful ones, but as for the rest that deny him and do not believe his word and teach false doctrine, they are liars. This is what Jesus said. And this is the second time that Jesus mentions the synagogue of Satan, the synagogue of Satan. It's been mentioned before in Jesus' seven letters to the churches. Apparently, some overzealous religious bigots made life very difficult for the church in Philadelphia due to the fact that those believers there, they didn't believe the false teaching of these religious fanatics. They didn't follow their false teaching. Of course, many Jews that lived there uh, were truly devout and they loved God. And some probably, almost definitely, became born again, became part of the church. But not all Israel is true Israel. You know, in the Old Testament, all the prophets, and any Jew today that believes Jesus Christ is Lord, are in the kingdom. They are saved, same as the Old Testament prophets. They are true Israel. And uh, Jesus is not talking about those. He's talking about the ones that didn't believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. They were trying to put people under the law to follow their religious beliefs. Jesus is talking about those who oppose Christianity, a specific group that he calls liars because they belong to the devil, synagogue of Satan. It's another word for the devil. They belong to the devil and they served him. They did his work, his dirty work. However, Jesus promised that church in Philadelphia the victory when one day good will triumph over evil and all those false teachers Back in the day and even today and in the future, they will have to bow the knee and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Verse 10, 
he commends the church. Uh, the church for not giving up. He keeps saying, keep on keeping on. Hold on to what you've got. Jesus commended the church to not giving up. They endured under the persecution. They retained their faith in Christ. They never denied him. They were patient and endured during their times of trial. And he said, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. This is something different. What is this? Well, let's find out what the hour of trial is. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come. It's not arrived yet. On the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Jesus promised the church to keep them from the hour of trial. The hour of trial is a reference to the catastrophic trouble that will fall on this earth one day in the future. It's not happened yet. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, 21, this is going to happen because Jesus said it's going to happen. Amen? Amen? For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. What is he talking about? He's talking about the tribulation period that will come on this earth in the future. Thankfully, though, and we need to take hold of this, he's promised to be with us. He promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He's promised to keep us out of tribulation. God, you look at the history of the Bible, he's always rescued his people. Right, when he brought the uh, people of Israel out of Egypt, right? He brought Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Then the destruction came. He always rescues his people from trouble. And that's what he's going to do with us as well. If he comes back today, we're going to be taken out. We will not go through the great tribulation that Jesus so clearly talks about. Unequaled from the beginning of the world. The hour of trial is coming on the whole world the whole world, not the church. The hour of trial is coming on the whole world, not the church. We are part of the church. If you're saved, you're part of the church. The judgment unleashed is going to be during the seven-year tribulation period. It will fall, Jesus said, on the whole world. Verse 10, it's going to fall on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth, those that are left during the tribulation period, those whose home is the world, not heaven. We're going to be taken out. Jesus will take Christians out of this world before the tribulation begins. That is known by now, you ought to know, as the rapture. The rapture. Verse 11, Jesus promises to come soon. I said, well, boy, he's been gone 2,000 years, taking his time. Well, the Bible says 1,000 years is like a day with the Lord, you know. So really, he's going to be gone two days. But uh, he's, he's going to come back because he said he would. He's coming soon, he said. 
He said, I'm coming soon, verse 11. I am coming soon. Which means it's going to happen. It's going to happen quickly and it's going to happen suddenly. Not necessarily in a short space of time. Like I said, we've been waiting 2,000 years, right? But it's going to happen quickly and suddenly when people least expect it. Are you ready? Are you anticipating his return? He's going to come, he says, like a thief in the night. Right? In the meantime, the church needs to keep a firm grip on the truth. That's what the church in Philadelphia did. They never wavered from it. And Jesus commends them for it. Do you read the word of God every day? People have died and shed their blood in order for us to get this Bible in our own hands. Let's not forget that. Hold on to what you've got. Hold on to the truth and be loyal to Jesus like the church in Philadelphia were. And then we shall receive a reward that Jesus describes as a crown. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Those who are faithful to Jesus will receive a reward. Amen? Amen. The Christian life is not like a hundred, you know, it's referred to like a race, the Christian life. But it's not like a hundred-yard dash. It's more like a marathon, right? To win the race patiently but expectantly so that we can receive an imperishable crown from the Lord himself. If you want to know more about that, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Those that take notes. The rest of us have got a perfect memory. Verse 12, Jesus promises to take those who finish the Christian race a pillar in God's temple. This probably refers to believers to, who gain the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. They're going to stand tall on the winner's podium like firm columns in the portals of heaven, in God's heavenly kingdom. It's just a picture, okay? You don't become a pillar in, in the temple. Of, you know. It's just a picture. It's a word picture. Uh, and he said, he promised to inscribe on the victorious believers the name of his father, also the name of the new Jerusalem, including his own new name. We've been studying that Jesus is going to give us a new name. I wonder what your name will be. I wonder what mine will be. How about uh, Clint? <laughs> or uh, a Cheyenne? Or... No. <laughs> Cuthbert. Who knows? But the Lord knows. He's going to give us a new name. Don't ask me why. I do not know. But it's going to happen. All right, if I knew, I would tell you. The New Jerusalem, what did we sing? I mean, I noticed that this morning, and it's just incredible. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. Uh, the carol that we sang just before Joe got up, 
It came upon a midnight clear. What does it say? The last verse. When with the everlasting circling years shall come the time foretold. We just sang it. When the new heaven and earth shall own the prince of peace, their king. The new heaven and earth. Well, this is what Jesus is talking about. The new Jerusalem. One day, the new Jerusalem would descend from heaven, which Jesus establishes his royal residence on earth during the millennial kingdom. He's going to reign from Jerusalem. Listen to the Old Testament prophet, Isaiah 65, 22 to 23. As the new heavens, see, this, this old earth is going to be destroyed the heavens and the earth is going to be destroyed. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. As the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord. That's the Old Testament and many more. Let's, re- let's listen to the New Testament, Peter. Second Peter 3, 10 through 13. This is going to take place. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Remember I said that? He's going to come like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord is when he returns. The return of the Lord. That's the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. This is what's going to happen. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. Talk about global warming. You haven't seen nothing yet. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day, what's he talking about? That day, the return of Christ. That day will bring about the destructions of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. See, there'll be no sin there. All this is going to be taken out. It's corrupted. It's defiled. It's polluted. It's going to be totally destroyed. We're going to, God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to be there. We're going to be there. We'll all be perfect by then with a resurrected body not subject to sin or sickness or death. Now everybody knows we don't have, we're not permanent residents on this earth, but believers should be looking forward to living in the permanent city called the New Jerusalem, where Jesus will reign, will reign with him. Where according to our Lord, we shall be given a new name from him that will last for all eternity. Let me conclude then. He usually finishes his letters 
This is the uh, sixth one. We've got one more after this, the Church of Laodicea, hopefully, Lord willing, next Sunday. This is the sixth church, and he always ends the same way, does Jesus, these letters that he writes. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, says to the churches. The final verse 13, it challenges believers once again to listen and heed what the Holy Spirit says. In other words, listen and then obey it. Hear and heed what the Holy Spirit says. He's the teacher. He lives in us. He's the comforter. Amen? The corrections, the challenges and the promises given to the churches in Western Turkey are just as relevant for us Christians today in any generation. These messages contain valuable lessons we can take to heart and apply them in our own life. We ought to obey the word of God, stay loyal to Jesus, run the race, stay the course, be faithful, be loyal. That should be our goal. That should be the goal of every church, not just in Philadelphia. Stay loyal to Jesus. The Apostle John says in 1 John 5, 1 and 2, that love for Jesus and obeying his word is the proof, the evidence of belonging to God's family. If you love Jesus and you obey Jesus, that's the proof that we are truly saved, the proof of belonging to his family. So having heard what lies ahead for Christ's church, that, that's us, we are the church, we are the body of Christ. One day we will rule and reign with him in his second coming kingdom. We should take encouragement from the fact that in the meantime, we don't have to fight the good fight all by ourselves. He promises never to leave us nor forsake us. He enables us. Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Fight the good fight. We don't have to do it by ourselves. Because believers are promised that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Let me close this with this verse. Philippians 1, 6. Once we've been saved, he doesn't just abandon us. He lives in us. He guides us. He comforts us. He teaches us. He directs us. He enables us. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you when you first got saved, that's the greatest good work that God can ever do in the, in the life of a human being. He that began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. There's a promise you can hold on to. What God started, he will finish. Amen? Amen. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, we're so grateful to be here in the house of the Lord on the Lord's day. And uh, there's a lot of things to take in, I know. 
but we, we should be assured of the fact that one day this old earth is going to be destroyed by fire. Uh, it was initially all the inhabitants of the world were destroyed by the flood, but not everyone was wiped out. Noah and his family survived. The only righteous man that was left preaching the gospel for 120 years, but the people didn't listen. They didn't take it to heart. They didn't, they didn't listen. They didn't heed it. They didn't obey it. Consequently, they perished in the flood. But one day, this earth is going to be burned up. It's going to perish, and you're going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to be there, those that are born again. I hope those who are listening to this message I hope you're going to be there in the new Jerusalem. If Jesus was to come back today, which he might, the church is going to be taken out at the rapture. We're going to be taken up. We're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And those that are left on this earth are going to go through the, what's called the seven-year tribulation period. And you don't want to go through that. It's going to be cataclysmic. It's going to be the worst possible place to live in the entirety of uh, the world and in history. And uh, you need to receive Christ as your savior. Uh, regardless if it's coming soon, you need to know because one day you're going to die. That's what is certain. It's just, you're going to die. So where will you go? Do you know? Well, you can know. You receive Jesus as your personal Savior. Believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins on the cross, shed his blood, took the punishment that you deserve for the sins that you've committed, and he died in your place, and he was buried, yet he rose again from the dead and is alive, and those that call upon his name shall be saved to turn from their sins to the Savior. And you ask him to come into your heart and your life to save you from your sins and mean it and believe it, then you too will have a home in heaven. Your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I hope that you'll do that. And as for the rest of us, Lord, we help us never to deny you Reminds me of uh, Peter, and he was all gung-ho, and he said, Lord, I'll never, I'll never leave you. I'll stand by you. But then when you were arrested, he denied you three times, denied that he ever knew you. Christians, we can be like that. We can deny that we know you. Help us never to be ashamed of you and to stand up for what we believed, what we know to be the truth, and how you've made a difference in our life. I ask these things in your name, dear Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine. For Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m., we are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886.
Hope to see you soon. God bless.